Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is friday february 3rd 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network i am mike heck hope everyone's having a wonderful week a wonderful start to their friday as always a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts tomorrow bellator 290 UFC Vegas 68 fights are back in our lives from two of the top promotions in the world. We got some news last night that we can talk about because people had been asking on this show and others, what is going to be the main event for the UFC's return to San Antonio, Texas on March 25th? And last night we got our answer. It is going to be the fight that was scheduled to headline the February 18th card at the Apex. Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Vera. That has been shifted to the main event of UFC San Antonio. And that brings up another question, which we could talk about in a little bit. What's going to headline that February 18th card? Because right now that is kind of up in the air. I can give you some insight, at least to the best of my knowledge, on where that might be going, but interesting move. That I think a lot of people understand the move. There's been sort of a revolt once that fight was put on the books, Sanhagen and Vera having it at the apex. People were not overly thrilled about that. They felt like that a fight of that magnitude, two guys like that deserved a bigger stage, and they got it. The timing of it is just a little strange because we're 15 days away from that fight happening. And from what I understand, these fighters found out Monday or Tuesday that it was being shifted. So you're training, you're preparing to peak at the right time. And then all of a sudden it is brought to your attention that, hey, guess what? Now you have to stop everything you're doing. We're pushing everything back 
like five weeks more or a month more. And I can understand if the fighters are frustrated about that. I can also understand if fans in Las Vegas bought tickets to that card at the Apex. And I know it's not your typical arena, but if you've seen the reports, it ain't cheap going to those Apex cards. There were people, and and I've seen comments and things that were screenshotted that are pretty pissed off that this is getting moved, especially with the timing of it all, because people had spent lots of money on tickets to watch it at the Apex for that fight in particular, and now it's sort of just being taken away from them. So I feel for those people. That's for sure. I'm happy for the San Antonio folks. I know there were talks about Raquel Pennington, Arini Aldana headlining that card. As I told you, there wasn't much to that. It was being talked about like very preliminarily. That's not even a word, but you know where I'm going with this. Uh, But that's as far as it went. There were no contracts. There were no actual agreements. None of that. So the shift has been made, and here we are. So February 18th, we don't have a main event right now. We don't have a main event. Uh, I'm going to pull up the card right now. It seems, I don't know, and this is the UFC, so you never know what's going to happen. But if we're looking at this card right now, there it is, February 18th. Uh, we have Jim Miller, Gabriel Benitez. We have William Knight, Marcin Prachnio. We have Tyler Santos, Aaron Blanchfield. Nazim Sadikov versus Evan Elder. Juan Camilo Ronderos versus Clayton Carpenter. Lena Landsberg, Myra Branis Silva. OSP, Philippe Linz. AJ Fletcher, Themba Garimbo. Which, Themba Garimbo has an incredible story, by the way. Uh, Josh Parisian versus Jamal Pogues. Zach Pauga versus Jordan Wright. Jamal Emmers versus Kusain Ashkab. Uh, Askaboff. So that's the card right now. It seems kind of obvious. Like if we're just pulling up one fight, it would seem like the Tyler Santos, Aaron Blanchfield fight would be the favorite to headline. So obviously once this news came out, that was one of the first questions on my mind, who was going to headline this. So I have reached out to people. Uh, Nothing is set. Nothing has been decided upon yet. Uh, There are conversations about what's going on, but from what I am told, um, Dana White is going to announce what this main event is going to be in the next day or two. Uh, Apparently he's going to announce it. And I don't know if they're going to bring something else in or if they're going to bump that one up to the main event. I would love to see that fight be the main event. I think that's, that's a good one. Tyler Santos coming off that tough fight with Valentina Shevchenko. She fought Shevchenko about as well as anybody has ever done and almost beat her. She didn't, but she almost did. And Aaron Blanchfield is one of the top prospects in the sport right now. So that'd be a great main event. It's just a matter of, again, this fight's a little over two weeks away. It's 15 days from now. These two ladies were preparing for a three-round fight. You would assume that if it's going to get the main event spot, it's not going to be a three-rounder. It's going to be a five-rounder. So there's... Hurdles that need to be crossed, I would assume. But from what I'm told, Dana White is going to announce what the main event is going to be for that card. So I wish I had some answers for you. I mean, just looking at it, we can assume that if any of these fights are going to get the bump, it's probably that one. But uh, nothing is confirmed as of right now. So I don't know if Dana's going to jump on YouTube and social and start screaming bloody murder to make this announcement. But 
from what I'm told, Dane is going to make that announcement himself. So we will see. But this is a free-for-all Friday, so we can talk about MMA. We can talk about whatever you want. We get a lot of pro wrestling questions here on these Fridays. Uh, I don't care what we talk about. So Zeke is in line, ready to go. What do we got, buddy? My man, Mike, how are we? Good, how are you? I'm all right. I'm driving on this uh, free-for-all Friday. I hope I keep it short and sweet. Um, first things first, I want to hear your prediction for Leon versus Usman. I guess it would be three. Uh, the second rematch for the belt, of course, coming up soon in London, I believe. And then uh, I got a question for you. Did I read this correctly? I know I did, so I'm just going to procrastinate and go on and on about it. Did Aljamain Sterling say he doesn't have a fight left in the Bantamweight division besides Henry Cejudo? Is he missing the big bag in Sugar Sean O'Malley, the easiest fight for him, at least, stylistically, in Sugar Sean O'Malley? Like, I'm a Sugar Sean guy, but, like, I feel like Aljo with the wrestling would just walk through Sean. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. What's going on with that just absolute marketing biz on Aljo's part? I feel like he could, you know, take down Henry, maybe even take down Sean and then move. But we'll see. What do I know? Mike, have a heck of a week, all right? Thanks, man. So, I mean, Usman Edwards just is tough. It's a tough fight to call right now because it's just – Leon Edwards, if there's one thing Leon has said in the build to this fight that is incredibly accurate, it's that if Kamara Usman thinks this is going to be the same exact fight as the last time, he's dead wrong. And I agree with that. Uh, it's a whole different situation. This is Kamara Usman for the first time in a long time being the hunter. This is him going across the pond to Leon's territory. He's going to be the big time heel in this situation to Leon Edwards, who is going to be the ultimate baby face here. And he's coming off of a brutal and vicious knockout loss, which I don't care who you are. That's going to affect you in some way, especially when you're jumping back in against the guy who knocked you unconscious with a kick curd around the world. So I have questions in lots of them. But Kamar Usman is a competitor. The guy is a competitor. He's also not the youngest man in the world. So I do have questions. I'm going to favor Usman, but I'm not all that confident about it. Like maybe early on, I was just like, yeah, I think Usman's going to win. And by the time we get to March 18th, I might have a different opinion on that. But to me, I, I took a lot away from the first fight. I know it was at altitude. This is going to be different. Um, so I'm leaning Usman, but I just honestly, like, it's just someone who wants to see this division unblock itself in a lot of ways. I think it's better for the division if Leon wins because it opens things up a little bit more. We get to see some, some of the names that fought for the belt before get their opportunities again in different matchups. I just feel like Usman has fought pretty much everybody except for Bilal Muhammad and Hamza Chemaev. And Hamza, we don't know what the hell is going on. And we don't know what's going on with Bilal. I, I know his manager said they're working on a fight between him and Colby Covington, that they might be the coaches of Tough, which I tweeted out yesterday. Apparently, they're going to have – this is going to be like a 47-week season, and they're going to have two new coaches every week because it seems like a third of the roster are all in consideration to coach this friggin' show. So hopefully we get some answers soon. 
Um, maybe they do Bilal versus Colby. I don't know. It, it, just knowing the history of Colby Covington, I don't know if that's the one. Like, I think Colby would – I would favor Colby to win that fight. So, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think Leon winning opens things up a little bit more and we get some different variety. As far as the Sterling thing goes, yes, he said that – and he's been saying this for a while. I don't know why this is any surprise to anybody. He's been saying, I don't have a lot of time left at this division. I'm going to move up. I'm going to let my boy Marab get his shot at the belt because he ain't going to fight me and I'm not going to fight him. We knew this was coming. And you talk about the bag fumbling. Aljo fumbled that bag, and we've talked about this a million times. Aljo fumbled that bag as soon as he beat TJ Dillashaw. He should have been all in on O'Malley from Jump Street, and it didn't do it. He did the whole, I'll fight this dude, I'll fight this dude. He was making weird jokes about Cheeto Vera, uh, he fumbled that bag, 100%. Uh, he should have went right for O'Malley, right off the bat. He tried to change course, and maybe he listened to this show, because everything that I said about the Henry Cejudo comeback, he started saying, and that he should put the focus on Sean O'Malley, it was just too little too late. That's why it is so important that when you have that microphone in that moment, that you know what you're going to do with it. Chael Sonnen's been preaching this forever. The next fight begins as soon as the previous fight ends. He should have got on the mic, called out O'Malley. O'Malley, you beat Jan? You're next, bro. Let's go. Boom. That would be the fight we'd be getting right now. But instead, it got left up to a media member asking Dana White about what's next for Aljamain. He throws out Henry Cejudo's name, and then here we are. Aljo also said, because this was an interview with the Schmo that they did in Las Vegas, uh, and Aljamain Sterling basically confirmed our report. They were targeting that fight for April 8th. And now it apparently is going to be uh, on that May 6th card. And from what I understand, uh, Henry Cejudo is not happy about that. He wanted to fight April 8th, uh, but apparently that one's getting pushed back. He's Henry's in Colombia right now. Aljamain's about to go to Colombia and get the stem cell thing done. And at the end of the day, the Mazadal Gilbert Burns fight got made very, very quickly. And that's sort of why. Because it's tough to announce a fight like that and make it official and then say, oh, by the way, Aljamain and Cejudo can't fight till next month. So I think they're going to give Aljamain like another month to try to get this all squared away. Hopefully the stem cells work. Hopefully he's healthy and ready to go. They could do that fight in May. And. My guess would be if they can't, if for some reason Aljo needs to push back more, I think Henry's going to fight in May no matter what. He'll probably fight O'Malley instead. Maybe they do an interim title or whatnot. But Sterling's been saying for a while he's going to move up to 145, and I think he's just a massive dude. He's so big. I don't know how he makes 135 at this point because he's just a, he's a monster. He was so much bigger than TJ Dillashaw. I thought he was going to pick TJ Dillashaw up and eat him. That's how big. That's how much bigger he was, and he's gonna be a he's gonna be gigantic against Cejudo. O'Malley's interesting because O'Malley's one of the bigger guys at 135. But Sterling's been saying this for a long time, so this is not a really big surprise. But yes, if you're asking if he fumbled the bag, he fumbled that bag right after UFC 280, when he didn't after he beat TJ Dillashaw, when he didn't call O'Malley out after that win over Piotr Jan. Uh, let's go to QP Prime. What's up, QP? 
I'm not hearing anything. All right, try again. Maybe find a, a better connection. Squid Vicious. It's been a minute. What's up, Squid Vicious? You're muted right there. There we go. What's up, man? Um, with the, I was just wondering, with the Whitaker uh, fight falling through and Paulo Costa's contract kind of in limbo, you think we're going to see a Paulo Costa fight announcement soon? I mean, we're talking about mysteries out there. Um, one being Hamza Chemaev. Paul Costa is another one. I have no idea what this man is thinking right now. Apparently, this is what he has said. There's sort of a ticking clock on his contract where if the, the date expires, he becomes a free agent. But I don't think it's going to be the same exact thing as, as Francis. I don't know if the UFC is just going to be like, okay, you're free and clear. Um, they'll probably have a match period and stuff like that. So hopefully cooler heads will prevail. I do think Paul Costa would benefit from a change of scenery. Him being in PFL would be huge. Him being in Bellator would be huge. He's a name. He's very popular, but at the same token, as exciting of a fighter as he is, I don't think he's going to be fighting for the belt again. I think those those days are behind him. I think this division has kind of passed him by a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Him and Shamayev would be a great fight. Like, if, if, if we're just trying to give him some extra money and he wants to leave the UFC, throw him in there with Hamzat. I mean, Hamzat needs to get a win at 185. That'd be a fun – that'd be fun as hell. That'd be fun as hell. I, I would prefer that over – Hamza versus Nate Diaz, that's for damn sure. But that's not a bad idea. I have no idea what's happening with this man. Uh, him not fighting Robert Whitaker, some call it a miss. I think it's pretty smart on his part to play this game, stay relevant. That Robert Whitaker fight was not going to go well for him. It just wasn't. That's a terrible stylistic matchup for Paulo Costa. Not saying Hamza's any better, but Hamza would get to be a little more little more buzz behind that one and i don't know what the hell that man's gonna do but we'll see oh jordan what type of news do you have for me today all right no fake news today mike (laughs) (laughs) uh apologize for the dupe yesterday uh that was the best that was that you know that was an all-time moment um so i just wanted to touch base this weekend for Bellator is an awesome card for these young up-and-coming fighters to showcase their skills. And I think one of the guys that's from Wisconsin, Dante Shiro, has an awesome, awesome bout up against Neiman Gracie this weekend that I just wanted to get your thoughts on. If it's, I don't know how much you've seen him fight, but he's, he's one of those that's an exciting fighter and prospect. He's good, man. I mean, he's. I think the word exciting and fun is is uh, probably the right words. He gave Logan, Logan Storley some fits, man, in his Bellator debut. I mean, Storley ended up winning a splitty, but got a finish at his next fight and then got submitted in one of the craziest submissions I've ever seen in September. So I don't love this matchup for him stylistically. I really don't. But again, maybe Neiman Gracie will just be like, hey, I love standing up and just throwing punches. And that's the type of fight that he wants to 
compete in. I don't know if that's the case after Neiman got destroyed in his last fight. But yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. It's probably not going to the judges. It's probably, I'd be stunned if it gets out of the, the second round. But big opportunity for him. It's a big spot. This card's great. This card is really good. This is one of the best Bellator cards, start to finish, that they have put on in a long time. Maybe since before the pandemic. They've had some big main events and some big fights. But top to bottom fight cards, this is a good one. There's a lot of interesting things on here. There really is. And it starts from the third fight up. Jalen Bates, Jordan Lugo. Really interested to see how that fight plays out. This is by far the biggest test of Jalen Bates' career. Darian Caldwell, can he snap out of the can he snap out of it? I interviewed him. He's just in a whole different place right now. I'm very interested to see how he attempts to bounce back against Nikita Mikhailov. Is Deanna Avzaragova the real deal? I think this fight is a little early getting someone like Alejandra Lara, but I'm not a matchmaker. I don't know. I feel like it's a little too much too soon, but we're we're never going to know the answers to those questions unless we actually do it. But this one kind of has that like, Bellator matchmaking trap set written all over it. Like we've seen in the past, like some of these up and coming prospects who have highlight reels and get over big on these prelims get much, much lesser competition. And then when people are like, well, we got to give them a little bit of a push. They throw them in there with someone who is, might just be a little bit out of their league. So I'm curious about that one. Grant Neal, Carl Albertson's a good one. Uh, Max Roshkoff back in the spotlight. Let's see how he does. Good matchup with Chris Gonzalez. Steve Mari, Ali Zayef is ridiculous. Two undefeated guys. Zayef is a, an Olympian and former PFL champion. Hasn't fought in a long time. Steve Mari's a really good up-and-comer. Henry Corrales is back, who loves to play spoiler against some of these guys. And in this case, fighting Akhmed Magomedov. Lorenz Larkin versus... Uh, Mukamed Berkamov. I remember the first fight. Larkin was starting to cook a little bit. He's starting to figure things out. Ends in a no contest. Might have, I don't know. It was one of those ones where like we were flirting with the DQ line and it was very, very close, but it didn't happen. So curious to see if Lorenz can keep this winning streak alive. Uh, we mentioned the Gracie fight. Saba Hamasi, Brennan Ward is ridiculous. We got Bader and Fedor final fight. But to me, the man who could... The man whose stock could rise more than anybody's is Johnny Eblen. It's Johnny Eblen. Johnny can become a Johnny has a chance to become a star tomorrow night. Now, if he goes out there, and we talked about this on BTL, we talked about this on the previous show. If he goes out there and takes Tokov down and just kind of like smothers him for five rounds, that's cool. He's still the champion. Make that money, son. But that's not going to do it. I feel like this fight's going to be more exciting. Then, like, I think the I think this is the best fight of the weekend. From like an MMA fan perspective, on paper, I think Johnny Eblen and Anatoly Tokov is the best fight of the weekend, the most interesting fight of the weekend. It's the best matched fight of the weekend, no doubt about it. But this is an opportunity for Johnny Eblen to get over in a whole different way. It's going to be on CBS. I think Anatoly Tokov's takedown defense is really, really good. Somewhat underrated, if we're being honest. So it could lead to these two dudes just throwing hands and just throwing absolute beasts at each other. And if that's the kind of fight we get, I favor Johnny Eblen to win it. 
And I know Tokov's got more experience, and I know Tokov can crack too, but Johnny's a different animal. And if Johnny can turn this into a fight where it could be exciting and we could get a potential highlight reel and he gets it, his stock is going to rise through the roof. It's a very important fight for Johnny Eblen. Not just for wins and losses, not just for the title, but this is his chance to get over in a different way. So I think he's got more to gain and more to lose than anybody else on this entire card. So, and I feel like Johnny Eblen is going to thrive in that situation. So love that fight. Can't wait to see it. And I feel like we're going to get a lot of stand-up in that one. I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of the wrestling is going to negate itself unless it gets extended. If we get to four and five, this could be a Johnny Eblen takedown show in the championship rounds, but I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see these two slug it out a little bit more. So big spot for Johnny Eblen. I love this Bellator card. It's tremendous. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's go to Joe. Joe, hello. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are doing you? well. I wanted to know, what do you set the over-under at for Derek Lewis's weight today at weigh-ins? Ooh, that's a good question. Are these? Oh, sorry. Jump back in, Joe. Jump back in, Joe. If you hear me. Let's see. There we go. Uh, while I pull this up. Did you have, a, did you have another question, Joe? Yeah, I was just going to say, are these pictures real that we're that i've been seeing circulating on twitter of Derek lewis looking very thin or i'm not even sure if those are yeah they are i mean if you if you watch his media day i mean you can see in his face you can see it in his face he he looks like he's slimmed down he's taking it very seriously you never hear Derek lewis talk about lack of buzz for a fight and how people are talking about him and excitement levels other people have outside of his small circle for his fights but he's talking about it a lot because he's busting his ass i'm trying to think there was one fight in particular where he slimmed down quite a bit i don't know if it's the blades fight i don't remember what it was there was one fight where he he worked with my man lou giordano was it 244 or maybe 247? Cause he was under, he was like 261 for that. 
Yeah, he worked. With, he, I know he worked with the great Lou, Lou Giordano for the Blagoy Ivana fight. He lost a bunch of weight and he looked great. He still weighed in at 265. Next fight, he's 261 and a half. Then he was back to 265, 263, 264 and a half, 265, 266, 264 and a half. I'm going to say over under 261 pounds. Because even, even though he's, he's trimmed a bunch down, that just means his weight cut his weight cut is not going to be what it normally is. So I still think he's going to be in the 260s. So I'll say 261 is the over under. And yes, those photos are real. Anthony, hello. Heck of a morning. <clears throat> yeah, I, you, man? I just want to talk about uh, these fights this weekend. Man. I'm actually really excited. I think there's a lot of fights. I think anybody who's a fight fan should just be glad that this weekend's happening and spoiled you know you got that amazing bellator card i again dude agree that jornal lugo fight is what i was really hyped for i was supposed to see it in chicago and then uh those road to the ufc cards were actually really fire man i i I loved watching them i'm watching the one friday night fights right now i love one championship they got the best strikers in the world hands down some they make for crazy entertaining fights. Most of the, I sometimes catch myself on a Saturday night. God damn, this dude just got knocked out. I catch myself sometimes on a Saturday night. I'm like, fuck, man. Like this UFC card got diluted from the from that fire ass uh, one card last night. And uh, and there's women's boxing. Like I've actually been really interested in. Uh, Anderson Serrano, Katie Taylor last year, and uh, Clarissa Shields. Those were the two best fights regardless of gender in boxing. And to have Scott, Scott Nicholson add to that, it's pretty tremendous. And uh, that's all, man. This weekend, what would you set the over-under on BK commercials? Have a good one. <laughs> oh, man. BK commercials on the ESPN Plus, Plus broadcast. God, it's got to be 15 to 20. I'll say 20. Because you get you get the same spot set like every single time. I, mean, I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but it is for me. It's the same spot set. I love me some Michael Chiesa. He's one of my favorite people in the sport. But during like the pandemic and like the tail end of it, I was just like, my, I can't stand this dude anymore. Because it was just him and Gaethje like over and over again. Every single spot set, it was Chiesa and Gaethje. Every single one. It was so crazy. It's, it's, yeah, there. I mean, those are just rough. And when, like, it drives me a little crazy. Like, you want to chuck in a spot here and there. Like, if you have spots you need to fill, like, I'm cool with it. But we pay for this platform. You know, I don't need to see two minutes worth of commercials every single break. I'd like to see the fighters walk out. I'd like to hear what the coaches have to say between rounds on these cards. More than we get. But yeah, we're going to get that BK commercial a ton. And even though the UFC card is not great, it's pretty bad, especially with it being in the Apex. There is a lot to like this weekend. The boxing card, you mentioned Amanda Serrano's back. Sky Nicholson's back. She's somebody to watch for sure. I think she could be a star in women's boxing. And there's a few of them right now. I feel like we're in a good spot for women's boxing. We're getting there. We're not anywhere near where we need to be, but I think we're getting, we're taking some big steps. And I think the Serrano Taylor fight was a big thing that helped that out. Um, but Sky Nicholson, I mean, 
she's just super fun and she's a fun fighter, good, great personality. She can get over big. It's a big opportunity for her. Like we said, the Bellator card's great. One's going on right now, which they don't even tell people that it's happening again. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of fights this weekend. That's for sure. And for the first time in a long time, feels like the UFC is kind of in in the three row vehicle of life. I feel like the UFC is in the third row right now. They're in the third third row. Bellator sitting shotgun. Boxing probably at least amongst us. Boxing's in the back seat, and I think the UFC is kind of in the third row. We had to push the button to get those seats to fold back up so they could squeeze themselves in. I think that's where we're at right now. And that's okay, because we got 284 next week, and we get one of the biggest fights in a long time, one of the bigger, more historic fights in UFC history. So, Viking, hello. Viking. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm fine. You said that you are off for Friday and you are here. It's nice. It's 9.30 and it's a good time to stay in this space. Um, absolutely. And uh, and one more thing. I just want to apologize for the other day because, you know, I was coming back from work. And I, I just met some dumb fuck kids. And they were shouting, and there was a traffic. Oh, dude, it's cool. All good. Oh, it was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ambiance. That's why this show is fun. Sometimes you're driving. Sometimes you're walking in New York City. Sometimes you're walking in busy places. It happens. All right, uh, but that was that was annoying. So much annoying, and you know, lots of people here must have been angry on me so that that and uh yes yeah, so this uh spivak versus uh derrick lewis card we have one indian fighter in the prelims uh, you know road to ufc my best friend he him and that fighter they are in the same gym and he said that he's a good grab he's a good grappler has a good ground game so this card is this card is fun for me i'm not going to watch in the main the main card so and i just want to talk about bilal mohammed and gilbert burns situation so what do you think you they both have been chirping about each other on twitter and I just have a question about Ali. Why he is not making that fight with Gilbert? Because you know Bilal and Gilbert, they both have, they both have done enough to make their name. I mean, the grappling and wrestling scenario. And so, if both of them fight each other, then one of them has got, I mean, definitely has got a shot for title. So. Is that the UFC is doing, or or what do you think? Why Ali is not able to make that to, to make this fight, or UFC doesn't want to get involved between Bilal and uh, Bilal and Gilbert Burns? I just do, I just don't like it. I'm not a 
big fan of Gilbert Burns, but still I'm asking why Gilbert Burns and yeah. Bilal is not fighting. Because if Bilal wins, he there is no denying that he's going to get the title shot. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. That would have been the fight. I, that, that was the fight I would have made is Gilbert versus Bilal. But like, like we've talked about, the original plans for April 8th was doing the two title fights. It was going to be Pereira versus Adesanya, and then it was going to be Sterling versus Cejudo. The location is still kind of up in the air, um, but Friday, this past a week ago, when Dana made those announcements, I was told that Mazadal versus Burns was going to be the was going to be the co-main event for that card, um, and I was also told that in a perfect world, Sterling and Cejudo would still take place on that card, but. As we have found out, uh, that's what they wanted. Sterling needed a little more time. They gave it to him. That's why they went fast on this Burns-Mazadal fight because Burns just fought, pitched a perfect game, took zero damage, and with the front runner being Miami, it just made perfect sense to get Mazadal on there. And th- those two have been chirping. Th- that fight's been on the table for a little while. Been offered to both guys multiple times. That's the one they went with. Um, you got to sell tickets. You got to get people to buy the pay-per-view. So, yeah. And if Leon Edwards beats Kamaru Usman, that fight has a whole lot more significance, doesn't it? What does this do? For, where does this put Bilal Muhammad? I have no idea. I have no idea. And this is an Ali thing. Because if the UFC approached Ali and was like, look, we're going to do – we want Bilal versus Burns, number one contender fight, he would put it together. Like, he's, his guys have fought before. But he's also notorious for putting out information that may or may not be accurate. Um, like the Bilal Colby thing and the tough thing. I would, I just don't see a world where those two guys would coach tough. I just don't see it. Uh, and I don't know if Colby comes back and fights Bilal. I mean, maybe he does if the money's right and the opportunity's right. If they say, hey, you go out and beat this guy, you get a title shot, maybe he'll do it. Because I think he would be, I mean, he's going to be favored pretty significantly against Bilal Muhammad, I would say. But I wonder if Bilal is the backup for the main event. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. So he's, he's very, he's in a very interesting spot right now because if he doesn't get this Colby fight and if he doesn't get Hamzat and Leon Edwards beats Kamara Usman again, boy, is he in a tough spot because whoever wins Whoever wins the Burns Mazadal fight is getting the title shot. Jorge Mazadal beats Gilbert Burns, and Leon Edwards is the welterweight champion. By the time that fight happens, that is going to be your next title fight. It will Blas gonna be pissed, and he should be. But that's the fight they're gonna make because their story, and it's gonna do five hundred thousand more pay per view buys, and the casual audience will be invested because of the three piece in the soda story. That's the fight they're gonna make. 1,000%. So if I'm Bilal Muhammad, I'm getting my ass to London, I'm weighing in as the backup, and I am hoping and praying that Kamar Usman beats Leon Edwards. Because I don't know, I don't think he's going to get Hamzat. Maybe he gets Colby, I just, I just don't know if I see it. I don't know if Colby comes back for that. Maybe I'm wrong. Of course I reached out to Colby when I saw this information, but... Colby isn't talking to anybody right now. So 
we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Uh, Karkix, Karkax, Francis Ngannou. Hello. Yo, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. So this might be like an old question because it was about the last pay-per-view. But so the thing is, everybody left after the main event. And that's when Cooper wanted to retire, which kind of pissed me off because everybody like nobody was there. Right. And it literally it just sounded like three people clapped something at the background. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, hear your thoughts about that. And, you know, when when you look at the amount of damage he took, not only in that fight, but his whole career. And to do that to him, it's I don't know. I don't know if. UFC should even consider going back to Brazil. I don't know if I'll go that far. Um, I was, I mean, you could see our own Guillermo Cruz was in the building for that card. And I know the UFC loves to tout the sellout streak and all that, but even David Shaw, when he went up to speak with the media, he didn't even say it was a sellout. So, uh, seems like the ticket prices were really high and they couldn't sell it out. So maybe not your typical hardcore MMA Brazilian crowd. I'm sure there were some, but it's certainly, and I was doing the watch party, but I was watching the prelims a little bit too. And there were certain fights where the crowd was into it. And then as the main card went around and even, even at the beginning of the main event, when they announced Glover to share his name, it was not, the type of reaction that I expected. It just wasn't. And I think a lot of those fans just kind of treated it like your hometown team. It's playing. Let's just say like, for instance, if I would go to a Red Sox game and the Red Sox are just getting the doors blown off of them. And it's like the seventh inning and it's like eight to nothing. Yankees probably gonna get my ass out of there beat the traffic. So I get it from like a sports fan perspective, but just all in all, the crowd was just not what I expected. I thought they were going to be electric. I thought it was going to be not quite London this past March, but something kind of close to that. They've been without a, a UFC card with fans for a long, long time. I expected more energy, more craziness. We didn't get it. So I think they'll try again. I don't know if they're going to bring a pay-per-view there, but they might do like a fight night card there. Maybe in a different place. I don't know. I mean, the card was perfectly lined up for that for that area. 17 Brazilian fighters on the card. There's a, at least one in every single fight. Yeah, it was tough. It was just a weird card overall. It was a fun one. Like watching on TV, it was a good card. A lot of moments, a lot of storylines, but all in all, just, yeah, kind of fell flat because the crowd just wasn't there. They didn't sell it out. Jsat, hello. You too. Um, what What is your bold prediction for these Saturday fights? And uh, also, my second question is, is a hot dog a sandwich? That'd be all. Hot dog is not a sandwich. I don't know what to call it. It's kind of in its own class, but it's not a sandwich. Um, bold prediction. I'm looking at the UFC card. I mean, just based on the betting lines, 
I would say Derek Lewis knocking out Sergey Spivak would probably be the most bold prediction I could make for it, honestly, because uh, he's a pretty he's a pretty big dog right now. Bellator card. Oh man. Like anything I say is not going to be really bold. I'll say Lorenz Larkin beats Berkamoff and stops that long winning streak. I'll say Lorenz Larkin gets it done. That'll be my bold Bellator prediction. It's going to be a tough fight. It'll be a tough pick, but yeah, I'm not going crazy here, but yeah, that's that's what I'll go top of my head and just kind of looking at the betting lines right now. Let's go to Jonas. There's four of you waiting. I'll get to all of you. Jonas, what's up? Hey, Mike. Um, I have two questions for you. Um, so my first question is, I, I don't know if you answered this question or not yet, but uh, how do you feel about the promotion for for Islam and Volt? Uh, there's like one more event before it, and there's been like not a lot of PR and promotion for it, which is very weird for a, for a champion versus champion fight. Uh, I've never seen like, you know, like the lack of promotion on Twitter or YouTube or anything. It's it's very weird. Uh, just one of your thoughts on that. And another question: um, Would you think that UFC would do anything for Black History Month uh, this year? Because I know last year they did something with with uh, with what's your name, Angie Hill another fighter um yeah uh just one of your thoughts on that thanks yeah i think and i just want to i just want to double check my work here um i know i'm pretty sure the ufc posted something on social media about it i'm just trying to scroll through there's a lot of awful power slap bullshit that I'm trying to go through right now. Um, but I know I saw something about it. Yeah, I, I, I would assume. There we go. February 1st, UFC announces the launch of its annual celebration of Black History Month in which UFC will commemorate the achievements made by African-American and black UFC athletes. So there's a whole post on their website about it. Uh, during February, UFC will highlight the personal stories of these athletes, past and present, while celebrating their significance of promoting and growing UFC in the sport of mixed martial arts. So, yes, that is that is a thing. I would assume they're going to talk a lot about it uh, on the card tomorrow, and that's good. They, that, that's very important, and they should do that. To address the other question, I have to say this, and I am blown away by the response to this. Like, I really am. I'm really blown away by everyone being like, saying that there's a lack of promotion here. Because what is the difference between this and like every friggin' card for the last several years outside of like a Conor McGregor fight? It's literally the same thing they always do. It's the same thing. Now, was there an awful television show that they're trying to get off the ground attached to these things? No. However, if you just take those tweets and such out of the equation, the build to 284 is exactly the same as 283. 
It's exactly the same as it was for 282. 281 might have been a little bit more because they're in New York and it's a big deal and MSG and all that stuff. But for the most part, this is what we get. This is what we get. Why? Because most people in this room right now and most people who cover the sport and are fans of the sport already know this fight's happening. The UFC does not need to convince us to watch Islam Makachev fight Alexander Volkanovsky. They don't need to. And they know that because we're all going to watch the damn card. But at the same token, this, this fight, as great as it is, this fight is for us. This fight is not for the casual audience. I said this yesterday. If I went to my local grocery store right now and I just found 20 randos who I think might watch fist fighting and I walked up to them and said, hey, you excited for Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky? They would throw a watermelon in my head because they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's just, that's just where we're at right now. That's just where we're at. This is not a casual audience fight. This is a hardcore MMA fan fight. This whole event is that way. The card, if you look at it, is not great. It's not great. We lost some doozies. We lost Whitaker Costa. We lost Perez Kayakara France. The main card is not great. The two, I mean, the main event's great. Interim title fight is fine. JDM Randy Brown's good fight. But the rest of the main card is not spectacular. They're just not going to drive a lot of casual viewership to this one. They're not going to do it. So they're probably going to focus more of their promotional attention on 285. The casual audience, for the most part, knows who John Jones is. So they're going to put a lot of the promotional buzz behind that. The other point I'll make, and I said this on the preview show yesterday, go back and watch any MMA content. Go watch the MMA hour from 2016, a week before the fight week for UFC 202, which was headlined by Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz 2. I remember having a podcast that some people listen to, but not a ton. And I brought this up. The promotion for this fight is non-existent. And it's the two biggest stars at the time in the sport. And the answer that everybody got, and I know Ariel talked about it on the MA arc, so I went back and watched it, is always the same. And it's going to be the same for this card too. Once fight week gets here, and we get to media day, and embeddeds come out, and countdowns come out, and they do the face-offs, and they do the weigh-ins. By the time we do the preview show next Friday, we're all going to be jacked to the gills for this card. But the UFC is making a floppity jillion dollars with this ESPN deal. They don't need to promote any more than they have to because they've already won. They're getting all this money every single event they put on. And pay-per-view buys just don't mean what they used to. None of that matters. That's why the numbers aren't really public anymore. Some you get, some are reported, but for the most part, the pay-per-view buys are just the cherry on top of the Sunday. It's just getting to the venue and putting on the card and selling tickets, especially for a card like this. We're going to Australia. You got Volkanovsky, Australian in the main event. Their main goal is selling that arena out. That's all they care about. And if we get a good pay-per-view 
push cool, but that's not their top priority anymore. Their top priority, especially for this one, sell this venue out. Let's get a good gate. You're getting money on the broadcast anyways. Lots of it. And if we do 500,000 pay-per-view buys, it's awesome. I don't think this one's going to get 500,000 pay-per-view buys. Even if they promoted the shit out of it, I don't think they're going to get 500,000 pay-per-view buys for this card. I don't. And it's mostly because the hardcores are going to watch and the casuals are going to go to sleep and get ready for the Super Bowl the next day. That's what I think. So... I understand a fight of this magnitude deserves a lot more buzz. I get it. But this is no different than what the UFC has been doing for years. For years. I think 285 will be a little different. 286 will be a little different because of the London thing. But it's, it's usually like this. And honestly, as spoiled as we are with all these cards, this is a problem. This is a reason why... There's just way too many fight cards because we can't even focus all of our attention on it because we have this card on Saturday. And it's at a weird time, so the American audience, most of us aren't even going to watch it. We're going to watch Bellator, and we're going to call it a day. And we're going to watch it the next Sunday. We're going to watch it maybe on Sunday. Or just not watch it at all and just get ready for 284. So I get it. Like, I get why people are saying this, but this is not any different than how the UFC has been promoting cards for a long time now. It's all about fight week. Let's build it up on fight week. They'll drop countdown. They'll do embeddeds. We'll have media day on Wednesday. Press conference Thursday. Weigh-ins on Friday. Ceremonials Friday night. And then it's on to the card. And by the time we get to Friday, we're all going to be excited about it. It's just how it works. I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked that I'm seeing this so much when this is the norm. Uh, FPL, hello. Uh Hello, I've been on your spaces before. So, you know, I'll come to the content of the fight. I understand, you know, this this card does not sell any pay-per-views. I completely agree to it with respect to the Australian card. Coming to the fight itself, I mean, I've heard some of these few other fighters, you know, saying, yes, Wolf has a chance. Alex may get it done. I see this as one of the most lopsided career fights ever in MMA history. Do you see it contrary to what I see? Because according to me, it's just a one-sided fight. I mean, there's nothing in it. Do you think Alex has even 1% chance in this fight, considering what Islam Makhachev has in his artillery? Do you think there is even a fight over there? Yeah, I do. I, I'm picking Islam to win, but I, I, think Volk, I think Volk definitely has a chance. I think Volk definitely has a chance. Islam is going to get him to the. Islam is going to take him down. There's, I mean, there's just no doubt about it. He's going to take him down. He's going to take down anybody he fights. But Volk is very good at getting back to his feet. And I know a lot of people are like, well, he's the featherweight champion. He's going to be outsized. Eh, he'll be like shorter. And Islam will be somewhat bigger. But Volk's a pretty big guy. Like, he's a pretty like wide built up dude and he's been focusing a lot on just adding muscle and, and, and extra calories and this dude is a friggin' athlete and a half he is like a plus 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 athlete and athleticism as we talk about in MMA fighting all the time is a cheat code and Makachev is a plus athlete himself so if Volkanovsky can keep this standing 
this is going to be an interesting fight. And he, Volk's a crafty dude. He's maybe, I think, is the best fight IQ in the sport. It's not just that he's the best fighter in the world. I think he's the best fight IQ in the sport. His ability to make adjustments in the middle of a fight, just nobody does it like him. Nobody. Go watch that second Max Holloway fight. That's everything you need to know about who this guy is. If Volk, if Islam has a big first round, he takes him down and just kind of sits on him, beats him up a little bit, Volk's going to have an answer for that in round two. To At least somewhat. It won't be as easy. I'm picking Makachev, but I don't think this is a... I don't think it's a blowout. I don't. I don't. I think if, if we get late in this one, I would favor Makachev. I would favor Makachev. Because if it gets late, that means he's winning rounds, he's taking Volk down, he's making him work really hard. And as great of an athlete as he is, if Makachev is on top of you for like nine minutes over the first 15... It's going to wear on anybody. I don't care who you are. But I'm fascinated by it. I can't wait to see it. I honestly can't wait to see it. I have no. I feel like Makachev will win. But I do feel on paper, this is... Like, for the Oliveira fight, I was... I've said it on the show a million times heading into the Oliveira fight. Everything on paper tells me that Islam Makachev should dump truck Charles Oliveira. Run his ass over. The only chance Oliveira had is if he just continued to be as chaotic as possible and landed something insane. Other than that, Makachev was like one of the easiest picks. I think I, I might have picked Oliveira just because he's just a nut, and I don't know how he's done it to this point, and every time I pick against him, he's like losing badly and then somehow wins. And I just kind of made a point to myself, like, I'm just not ever going to pick against Oliveira again until he loses. So that's why I went the Oliveira. But like I said a million times, everything on paper told me that Makachev was going to kill him. And that's pretty much what happened. I don't have that same feeling with this one. It's from a stylistic perspective. I feel like Makachev will win, but I think he's going to have to work a little bit more. This is, this is a tougher fight stylistically for Makachev than Charles Oliveira was. So we'll see. I understand the confidence from Makachev. And there's, you ain't alone, FPL. You're not alone. I've heard a lot of people say that Makachev's just going to run him over. It's going to be one-sided. This will not be competitive. But I don't know. I don't know. I see it a little bit differently. Aaron, hello. Aaron. I don't hear anything. Maybe try to get a better place service-wise. Uh, Della Higgins, hello. Hey, Mike. Um, I just want to thank you for uh, calling Power Slap for what it is, which is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. Um, I was so happy to see that the ratings tanked this week. And uh, I think if the UFC is serious about wanting to be as big of a brand as the NFL, I think they're crazy to attach this – corny freak show to their brand and uh the only good thing i see coming of it is that uh the pay-per-view will mean that i uh get to see marab versus yawn and uh not go to bed at 1 a.m so that's all i got 
<laughs> well said. Yeah, the I would have bet I would have bet any amount of money that the ratings would have gone back to normal. There's just without without AEW, that show is not doing a hundred thousand people. Sorry, it isn't. Without AEW, that show is not doing a hundred thousand people. Maybe bold, but that's true. Like to me, that's the truth. And the only reason they got such a bump last week is because of what AEW put together. They built a card paying tribute to a professional wrestler that tragically passed away. And after the network would not allow AEW to pay tribute to this man and allow his, his brother to wrestle on the show because of something that Jay Briscoe tweeted out a, over a decade ago was ridiculous. And there was a fan revolt for it. And to Tony Khan's credit, the man who runs AEW, he was able to get Warner Brother Discovery to let Mark Briscoe not only wrestle on that show, but be a part of the roster. And they put him in there with Jay Lethal. There's a relationship there. They put it in a great spot. And they built a great card setting it up. And AEW's ratings typically are, they start red hot because the Big Bang Theory does like a million plus, even in reruns. And that leads into AEW. And they have like a really good starting point. And then depending on how, they, how the show shapes out, typically what happens is they start strong and then they just plummet throughout. Like they'll usually start around a million. And then by the time the show is over, they're down to like, 800 and something thousand that show in particular last week they started over a million and they ended just under a million they only lost like from a total perspective like ten thousand people from start to finish which is not typical for AEW. so i knew that that number was going to be up and it was and then AEW did 901,000 last week, which means, and I feel like I'm the best audience to gauge the ratings for professional wrestling, especially AEW, because I get, I always give it a chance. I'll start at 8, 8, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll watch what the first segment is. I'll give it like a half hour, 45 minutes. If I'm into it, I'll keep going. If I see fucking Chris Jericho, I'm like, oh, and I turn it off. And I'm done. And if I see the rest of the card and like MJF is not going to be featured, then I don't watch it and I'm gone. And I feel like how the quarter hour breakdowns shake out for AEW is like exactly how I watch it. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to give it a chance because everyone tells me how great it is. And there are some shows last week's in particular was fucking great. This week's show not so much. There were some good matches, but it wasn't enough to keep me awake for two hours. I watched like 45 minutes and I was like, eh, I'm done. And plus there was a part of me that's like, normally I'll just fall asleep with the TV on, but I don't risk it because I don't want to wake up to power slap being on the TV. So if I'm done with AEW, I turn the damn TV off. Um, but that's what happened. And I feel like that that's what we, what we see ratings-wise now like 275, 280. That's going to be the norm. Unless AEW just puts on a blockbuster. 
And I would love to see the quarter hour breakdowns for the show for Power Slap on Wednesday because something tells me it started off pretty strong coming out of AEW and then those numbers just tank. They have to. How could anyone in their right mind sit there for an hour and watch that show? I just don't. There's probably 10,000 people in the world that would do that. So I don't know. But it was, I, I, there was a sigh of relief. I will say that when I saw the ratings went back to where I thought they were going to be. Crabs, hello. Heck of a morning. Uh, first time, long time. Happy birthday, Kay. All that. Um, we talk so much about what's wrong with the UFC and the state of MMA in general. I'm thinking of bloody elbow. Uh, so I wanted to change things up and ask you, Mike, what would your dream main card fight night New England look like? I'm just thinking four or five. Ooh. Thank you. Oh, okay. Well, uh, is it a fight night or a pay-per-view? That's the question. It's a good question. I mean, Cater has to be on it. I know he's banged up and he might not. I mean, it seems like from, from all accounts, it seems like, Calvin Cater is healing at a pretty freakish level right now. Uh, but I'd be stunned knowing his team and who is around him. If he fights anytime before like November, I would do Calvin Cater versus the winner of Edson Barboza versus Billy Q. I would put Rob Font, Adrian Yadis on that Boston card too, but I'll go because Rob's got to fight on that card, 100%. Rob Font versus Dominic Cruz. Then you have to have a title fight on there. Paco Porter's got to fight on that card somewhere, probably on the prelims. That's weird. Like the Boston, all the Boston cards have had like weird headliners. Like, we got Cruz TJ Dillashaw as a main event. We got Conor McGregor in a main event against uh, Dennis Seaver. We got Chael Sonnen versus Shogun. No, that wasn't it. Was it Chael Sonnen versus Shogun? I don't know. We've had weird main events in Boston. And then we had the pay- – we had. The pay-per-view, we had Stipe versus Ngannou. That was pretty friggin' cool being there for that. And then we also <laughs> we were also treated to the wonderful James Tony Randy Couture fight in Boston, too. Remember that? Uh, yeah, it was Shogun versus Chael. Yep, August 2013. I was there for that. It was Shogun versus Chelsea, and Chell submitted him in the first round. That was the Travis Brown, Alistair Overeem card. That was the Connor Max Holloway card. That's right. That was so long ago. Wow. So with Boston, it could be anything, but Font and Cater have to be on there. I have to think about that a little bit more. I will work on that one. Uh, four on Sniper, what do you got? Yes, sir. Just real quick, uh, I was just curious. 
Looking at Aljamain Sterling's record, I think he's uh, got a pretty impressive one. I think he's severely underrated, even as a champ, which sounds crazy to say, but he doesn't get a lot of the respect that he deserves. Um, with that being said, how many more title defenses do you think he needs to break into that top three list of all-time bantamweights? And who are your – well, actually, who is your number one bantamweight all-time? That's it. Thank you. That's a great question. I would probably go Dominic Cruz, but he's had a weird career. TJ's up there. I mean, if Sterling's not number three, he's damn close. He, I mean, look, I, I completely agree with you. He does not get the credit he deserves. Um, Part of it is people don't like his personality. Uh, I don't really understand why. And it's it's so weird. Most of this turned for him after 259 when he won the belt. Because gets brutally illegal need. Everyone says he's should win an Oscar for being an actor when that was a brutal knee that should have been a DQ. And... That's what happened. Won the belt. And then everybody was like, you know what, Aljo? Lean into it. Lean into this shit. That's what you got to do. Lean into it. And you know what he does? He leans into it. And then he gets hated even more. And then he comes back and he fights Piotr Jan again after he's supposed to fight Piotr Jan in October of 2021 at UFC 273. The dude has a serious neck injury. Couldn't fight gets even more shit for that. And then he fights Jan in April, last April, UFC 273, beats him. Close fight, but he beats him. And then he fights TJ, who showed up with one arm, and Sterling just beat six shades of shit out of him. And because TJ is an asshole, Sterling gets the blame for it. Now, Aljo ain't perfect. I'll tell you that right now. We started the show talking about Aljamain Sterling and how he fumbled the bag because he fumbled the bag with the Sean O'Malley thing. And now he's going to fight Zahudo in a much tougher matchup. I'm still probably going to pick Aljo just because I, di- I just, I don't know. Until I see Henry fight, I have a hard time picking him. And Aljo's just going to be two weight classes bigger than him. And he's just a freak athlete. And I just feel like he's, he has come into his own, for sure. But he could have fought Sean O'Malley. He could be fighting Sean O'Malley next. He would get the bag, and then he could move up to 145, which is what we've been telling the man to do in the first place. You beat TJ, get on the mic, call out Sean O'Malley if he beats Piotr Jan or is even somewhat competitive with the man, and you get that fight, you make that bag, and then you get out. And you let your boy Marab fight for the belt. But instead, after UFC 280, he's like, I don't care who the UFC gives me. Had the bag. And then he fumbled it. And then he tried to change course. You know what? Sean's the fight. Sean's the, the money fight. Yeah, no shit. We told you that. Everyone's been telling you to, to call him out. And now you, now you lost it. So, as a fighter, he deserves better. But has he made... Big mistakes as a prize fighter? Yeah, he sure has. 
And he beat Cejudo. I don't think, I mean, look, fighting O'Malley would be cool, but that's another big-ass weight cut he has to do. And he walks around like 170, 175. That's a big weight cut to 135, especially at his age and where he's at. He's 33, going to be 34 in July. How many more of these can he do? But he's gotten a lot of shit for saying that I'm going to fight Cejudo and then move up. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, rips and picks. Hey, Take Mike, us home. can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I got you. Rips and picks. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Rips and picks! I hear you, man. I hear everything you're saying. All right. For some reason he can't hear me. Well, there you go. Uh, we will have some stuff coming up uh, on the site. I believe... Um, let me get the exact time for you. Well, let's see if we can get Rips and Picks back in here. Do we have you, Rips and Picks? Hey, Mike. Take two. Can you hear me? Yes. Perfect. I uh, just got two quick questions since it's free for all Friday. I'm not sure if you got the card pulled up in front of you, but, you know, this feels like a card this week that it is geared so much towards, obviously, the Asian fighters. I know it's supposed to, you know, be in Korea, but just curious if you think, you know, what Asian fighter you think has the best chance of losing because pretty much every single Asian fighter, starting with Tatsuya Tyra to Park to Jun Young Kim, um, you know, all the way up through the main card with Kino Shida, Doho Choi, Don Jung, um, every single one is a favorite. Just curious if you think, you know, which Asian fighter has a chance of losing or if you think every single one of them is going to win. And the last one, just a funny random one. How is Sergey Spivak's last name spelled? On Google, it's with a C. Sure dog, it's with a K. <laughs> Tapology, it's with a C. UFC, it's with a K. I mean, does anybody know if we have with last a C. name is C or K? <laughs> I guess they're both acceptable. Um, we have it as a C. S E R G H E I S P I V A C. That's how we have it in all of our stuff. That's how Tapology has it. That's how we spell it. Um. Let's see. I think Kinoshita is going to win. I think Duho Choi is going to win. Um, I mean, some some of the fights, it's like Asian fighter fighting Asian fighter. I think Rinya Nakamura will win his fight against Toshiomi Kazama, so I would probably go with him. Um, I think Hyun Sung Park's going to win. So, Seung Guk Choi is probably on that list. I think Jun Young Park's going to beat Des Tulian. Tatsura Tyra's going to win. Ji Young Kim is interesting. What is the betting line on that? Wow, she's a minus 275 favorite. 
That seems minus 280. Wow. I was not ready for that. Like Mandy Bohm's not a world beater. She's got potential. She hasn't shown much in the UFC. I thought that was kind of a weird signing, if we're being honest. Because she only had one fight for Bellator. And then just she got outright signed to the UFC. And lost to Lipsky and lost to Victoria Leonardo. But Gian, uh, Gian Kim's fun. Um, lost a close one to Jocelyn Edwards. Cachoeira fight, I thought she won. She lost the McCann fight, lost the Alexa Grasso fight. She showed something in the Kasim fight. I just don't see a world where she's a minus 280 favorite over anybody. Like, I would favor her to win, but damn, she's like, she might be minus 300 by the time this fight happens. That's weird. Didn't see that coming. So, yeah, I do think Gian Kim's going to win, but I think Nakamura's going to win. And I think, what was the other one I said? Uh, Hyun Sung Park's going to win. So, by process of elimination, Seung Guk Choi and Toshiomi Kazama uh, will be my two answers to that question. So, all right. We are done. Um, in about 15 minutes, you can head over to the MMA Fighting YouTube channel because we're not going to have a UFC weigh-in show. We're going to have a Bellator 290 weigh-in show because Mr. 3024, the man with the baddest stash in MMA, E. Casey Lydon, on site in Inglewood, California for the official Bellator 290 weigh-ins. And he will be there. And, of course, it is his birthday after all. Alexander K. Lee will be the voice behind the Bellator 290 weigh-in. So that weigh-in show is coming up at the top of the hour. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, Time TBD. I'm not really sure when it's going to start, but we will have a people's pre-fight show live on the YouTube channel right before Bellator 290 kicks off, and we'll do sort of a combo talking about the Bellator card and the UFC card, answering your questions from beginning to end. And then following the Bellator 290 card, we will have our post-fight show. So lots to look forward to, a lot going on, multiple events, multiple fights. If you're a fight fan, this is a pretty damn good weekend for you. It really is. So thank you very much. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. 
Support for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag, sneakers that pop, jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 